Greetings, and welcome to Unsupervised Learning. I'm Daniel Meisler, and this show explores the intersection of security, technology, and society, and thinks about what might be coming next. Every Monday, there's a news and analysis episode that condenses 5 to 20 hours of reading and analysis into a 15-minute summary, as well as regular essays, interviews, and book reviews that cover specific topics. The goal is to give you a concise, curated update on the most interesting things happening in the world, and to explore ideas that give you something to think about and prepare you for what's coming next. All right, welcome to episode 267. Quick update on the membership side of things. So as you know, the newsletter goes out to members every Monday morning, and it goes out to non-members every other week. So even episodes are for members only. But the podcast has been the same for members and non-members. And a number of members have basically said that doesn't make any sense. So what we're going to do is we're going to move the free version of the podcast to release on Wednesday morning. So basically, if you're a member, you get the newsletter every Monday morning and the podcast every Monday morning. So they release simultaneously Monday morning, probably before you wake up, unless you're in Europe or another part of the world. And then if you're not a member and you're just getting the free versions, then you get the newsletter every other week and you get the podcast on Wednesday morning. So I think that's a pretty good balance of members getting everything Monday morning and everyone else only getting half the episodes of the newsletter and getting the podcast two days later. So if you're a member, then this was available Monday morning. And if you're not a member yet, then this will have become available Wednesday. And with that, let's get into security news. So SuperCookie is a crafty method for semi-persistently tracking web users, even if they're trying to avoid it. So this uses the loading of the favicon.ico paths. So basically, when you make a request to a website, one of the first things you request is the favicon.ico file. And there's actually a special database for these files that's separate from regular cookie storage. And what this system does is it looks for requests for these different favicons, and it uses which ones you did and did not request from the server to fingerprint someone, even if they're trying to evade fingerprinting via a number of different methods, like going through a VPN, clearing their cookies and their cache, etc. So pretty smart technique. The New York Times has a remarkable piece on how mobile phone app data can be used to track people through supposedly anonymous systems, resulting in the paper being able to quickly find over 2,000 actual individuals around the Capitol on January 6th. So these 2,000 people had their anonymous data associated with emails, birthdays, ethnicities, and other PII, which allowed them to correlate to actual people. And they've got some really crazy visualizations here that allowed them to like track them across the country, moving from state to state, and just like visualize people down to the individual. It was really, really interesting. And, and beyond the Capitol incident itself, which is a whole other topic, this raises serious questions about the privacy implications of running multiple location tracking apps on your phone, combined with services like Cubic that use data like this to make it easier to market to individuals. So I think this whole mobile ad ecosystem is about to come under a lot more scrutiny. I mean, it's nice for law enforcement to be able to go and track this stuff down and for, you know, 
really intrepid reporters to be able to do so, but it really does raise the question of who else can do that and how many people are aware of the ability to do that, to take anonymized data, link it together with other anonymized data, and basically use that to correlate back to someone who can be tracked and identified as an individual. As with so many other things in privacy, the main thing here is awareness, right? Privacy is not about stopping data from being shared. It's about the user having control of what data is being shared. And just far too few people know about this functionality. They don't know that this is possible. And that's really the disconnect, right? Giving away access and giving away capabilities without their knowledge. I think the fact is a lot of people will still give away these types of permissions if they believe that what they're getting back in return is worth it. And that's fine. That's their choice to make. But right now, very few people are actually making that choice because they're not even aware that it's happening. All right. The former director of the National Counterintelligence and Security Center, Bill Evanina, says China is working to gather American DNA and health information and that they already have the PII of 80% of American adults. We talked about this story, uh, basically gave the same story last week as well. I think it's so important. I wanted to repeat it again. This guy is the head, or the former head, of the National Counterintelligence and Security Center. And he's telling us very clearly that the PII of 80% of American adults has been taken by China. 80%. Moody's says cyber insurance prices have increased by low double digits due to the rise in ransomware claims. I think uh, this is a really strange game because unlike most types of insurance, cyber and ransomware have the ability to affect many customers globally at the same time. So if you imagine like earthquake insurance or fire insurance or car insurance, like an accident isn't going to cascade into a million other people. But a ransomware event could, right? It could hit like all the Fortune 100 at the same time, or it could hit, or it could hit 40% of the Fortune 1000, right? What happens if you have a large percentage of those who are insured and you have to pay out? So they've got some considerations to think about there. And of course, they have been thinking about it for quite some time, but they're talking about raising a lot of the stipulations and changing the language to be more restrictive. And actually, early on, a couple of years back, there were a lot of people who weren't paying out. A lot of these companies, they just weren't paying out because they were just squiggling around trying to say, oh, is it an act of war or whatever? And we won't cover that. But I don't think that's going to fly for too long. And uh, yeah, they really need to find a way to figure out this systemic risk problem. California implemented a facial recognition system called ID.me to help vet unemployment claims by matching uploaded documents with uploaded selfie. So they basically take like the government issued ID and they make the person take a selfie and make it match. Right. I'm trying to think of ways you could bypass this. Probably not too difficult. But once again, you're raising the cost, right? Of course, you could go and look and find someone's Facebook and find a picture of them and then just pretend it's a selfie and upload that, but that's a lot of effort. And most people probably won't go through that, which means it's a good security control, potentially. So 
there are a number of people complaining that there were false positives and they actually got denied when they were, weren't supposed to get denied. But the company is claiming they're saving about a billion dollars a day in fraudulent claims for the 21 states that they're doing this for. So the real question isn't whether or not there are false positives. Of course, there are. The question is, is this better and more effective than not using it? If you consider all the pluses and minuses. China's Ministry of Education says young Chinese men are too feminine and they're pushing efforts to elevate sports stars as role models instead of like these, um, I don't know, I want to say K-pop, but it's not technically correct. Uh, boy bands, that's what I was looking for. They're basically saying that these boy bands are feminine versions of men and that too many men are emulating them and that they need more people to be like firemen and military people. And if you're wondering why this is in the security section, it's because a top government official is pushing this. They were quoted as saying, young Chinese men were trending towards feminization, which would inevitably endanger the survival and development of the Chinese nation unless it was effectively managed, unquote. That's, that's pretty hardcore. I mean, <laughs> this speaks to the level of, you know, future thinking and sort of uh, dedication and focus that they have towards kind of winning this battle. They're thinking about how masculine their men are and whether or not they're not masculine enough. It's, uh, I don't know. Well, it's coming from the Ministry of Education, so that should tell you something. Google paid $6.7 million to bug bounty hunters in 2020, which is up from $6.5 million in 2019. I'm not sure why. I think I mentioned this last year, but I'm not sure why, but I just think this seems really low. Either attack surface is much smaller than I'm thinking, or the surface is much more secure than I'm thinking, or the payouts are just way too small. Or maybe some combination of those, right? But if I would have guessed how much they would put into a program like this and just, you know, not knowing anything, I would have put it closer to 50 or 100 million, right? I mean, we're talking about the software that's running the planet, right? Google's a big part of that. So I think they should probably, like, 10x their payouts and just see what happens. See how many more volumes they get. And if they're like, oh crap, we paid $70 million instead of $7 million, that's like extremely cheap to find even 10 or 20% more volumes in my mind. I don't know. Let me know what you think. The UK has expelled three Chinese spies that were posing as journalists. And this comes as tensions are high between the two countries due to the UK banning Huawei 5G and complaining about crackdowns in Hong Kong and Xinjiang. Vulnerabilities. So there's a nasty Chrome vuln affecting Windows and Mac users. So update if you haven't yet. SonicWall is a serious issue with its secure mobile access 100 series that it said it was being exploited in the wild, and there's a patch for that now. And Cisco's released multiple fixes for a number of products, including routers, the pseudo issue, and a number of other packages. And Plex Media servers are being used to amplify DDoS attacks. 
So in some configurations, they listen, they actually pass a port back through the NAT, and it lands on uh, an SSDP port via UDP 32414. And SSDP is especially juicy for spoofed UDP uh, responses because it reflects back at around 5x. So they're a good vector for DDoS reflectors. So if you have any of those servers, make sure you're not part of the problem. Incidents. British Mensa had its website hacked, resulting in the loss of personal data for not just its 18,000 members, but for people who tried to become a member and couldn't get in. Kind of embarrassing. Technology news. Jeff Bezos has stepped down as CEO of Amazon and has handed the reins to the leader of the AWS division, Andy Jassy. Google Pixel users are about to be able to measure their heart and respiration rate just by using their phone's cameras. This is super cool. So they're using AI to be able to detect subtle changes in the person's appearance, like just motion, uh, color shifts in the face based on breathing. Um, not just breathing, but also the pumping of the, of the uh, heart. So <laughs> the, the blood rushes in, the blood rushes out, and the camera can detect that change. So I give Google a lot of grief about a lot of stuff, but this is really cool. I really think this is like the future that we were promised, being able to do this kind of stuff with our personal tech. A UK research team has developed an AI that can look at their radio waves bounced off of a subject and tell them with 71% accuracy whether they're feeling relaxation, fright, disgust, or joy. And you have to assume if it's not more emotions now, it will be in the future. Just read some book. can't remember what I was reading just recently, but there's only around seven major emotions that are, oh, I know it was. It was the Human Hacker book which we'll talk about in a second. But uh, there's only about seven major emotions, so, so I'm sure they're trying to track against those. Google has completed its Dunnant subsea cable between Virginia Beach and some place on the Atlantic coast of France that I won't try to pronounce. Something to do with saints and kings. And this cable is capable of 250 terabits per second in bandwidth. That is fast. I think it's the fastest one. So I'm not sure how many others we have and what's faster, but Google just put this in and it's it's quick. And it is already operational. Innovation 23andMe is going public soon. Superb AI has raised $9.3 million to help companies label training data for use with AI. Soda is a Belgian startup. That raised 11.5 million pounds, or is that euros? That's euros. To make sure large data sets are kept fit for purpose in terms of verifiability and trustworthiness. So you notice both of those are all about massaging data to prepare them for AI. That's where the money is. And a lot of uh, sort of career sites are talking about that. It's like, don't go into the hardcore PhD of ML to come up with the new theories. If you want to make good money and you want to do the minimum effort, get into data engineering, get into the field of making data useful, you know, preparing the data, data cleansing, 
uh, fit for use, this type of thing. That is where some serious money is because there are plenty of great algorithms that are sitting around waiting for data that's good enough to use. And uh, there are just tons of job openings. Somebody was saying, I think it was, I can't remember which report it was, but I think one of the reports that I linked to recently said something like 70% of the positions are all for data engineering or mostly around data engineering as opposed to the data science portion. So something to think about if you know anyone or yourself thinking about a career in AI, the data is where it's at. And Latitude is building AI-generated infinite storylines for games. And they just raised $3.3 million. This is pretty cool. So it's like they talk about GPT-3 in the article where it's just like you just feed it something and it just iterates. And it comes out looking pretty good. So you imagine a GM not having to come up with, you know, new levels and new floors and new dungeons. And they just kind of unfold in front of you uh, with high quality. That's Definitely a desired thing. Companies. Amazon's cloud division increased revenue by 28% last quarter. And Google's ad business made up 81% of Alphabet's $57 billion in fourth quarter sales, which is up 23% over last year. All right, human news. The Bay Area seems to be experiencing a troubling increase in attacks against Asian American seniors, and they're not really getting much national coverage at all, which is its own problem that many Asians are upset about. A number of Asian influencers are speaking out about this, saying attacks against their community aren't fitting into a popular national narrative like domestic violence or racism against blacks, so they're being ignored. And I feel like Asians in America are being double ignored. They get no credit for being one of the most successful cohorts in the U.S. because it's considered just the default behavior. And crimes against them seem to go unnoticed compared to those of other groups. Content, Ideas, and Analysis. Got a new book summary here for this book called Human Hacking, which is by Christopher. Hadnagy? Hadnagy? Christopher Hadnagy, probably. Probably how you pronounce that. But uh, yeah, it was a really good book. He goes through the basics of social engineering. He is a social engineer. He runs a social engineering-based hacking company. He also does training on this stuff. I found the book quite good. I think it was great. I gave it a rating of 8 out of 10. And uh, the one thing I talked about in there was basically his view of influence versus manipulation and when it was okay to use one versus the other. He basically says influence is okay, but manipulation is bad. And he gives a whole bunch of examples, but I don't think he actually gets those correct uh, in a number of cases. But he does really, really emphasize the ethical use of these tools because he's basically teaching some pretty dark arts, some like, you know, evil wizard magic stuff and kind of laying it out there, kind of like a, um, like pickup artist type situation where it's, it's designed to be weaponized, which makes sense because he's teaching you how to defend against this. He's also teaching up and coming social engineers how to actually do the techniques. 
So it's uh, it's a really practical book. It's a really great overview. I like his personality. Uh, I think if I were to recommend a class for social engineering, I would probably recommend this guy's class based on reading this book. I don't interact with him on Twitter. He's I don't run into him in my circles, but I do know that he's very respected in the field. And uh, I really appreciate that he put a lot of effort into discussion about the ethical stuff, even if I don't think we quite agree on the definitions. But uh, put a review on Amazon and uh, tweeted it out, and he already responded. And uh, I imagine we'll have conversation about it in the future. But 8 out of 10, the book is called Human Hacking. Next idea here is how to become uncancelable. So Sam Harris has spent a lot of effort to become uncancelable which I find quite interesting. I have more freedom than most because I don't use Facebook or Twitter as my primary mechanisms for connecting with my audience. And most importantly, I am supported directly by members and not on a platform like Twitch or YouTube where they could just, you know, do a thumbs down and you disappear. But there are still ways to improve that situation, like taking credit cards more directly instead of using services like Memberful or, you know, Stripe or something like that. Sending emails more directly instead of using MailChimp, etc. I think maybe we should come up with like a five levels of publisher independence rating, similar to like the levels of autonomous driving. And I imagine if I were to do that, I'd come up with, with being like a three right now and Sam being like a five and most people being like a one or a two. But uh, yeah, I'm not particularly worried about it because I'm not really saying or thinking anything too crazy. Uh, but, you know, if the tides change, you never know what could become controversial. So it's something to think about. Uh, are you on a platform that could simply give you a thumbs down like Gladiator style and just have your entire livelihood disappear, especially if you're doing this for your full-time job? So. It's an interesting idea. Next idea here, narrative versus fundamental-based stocks. Scott Galloway is my favorite business analyst slash commentator, and he says right now that stocks have been recently switching from being fundamentals-based, which is like prices versus earnings, etc., to being narrative-based, which is where you're more focused on the story around the product and the story around the team than you are around the actual earnings, like how much revenue and stuff like that. He says it used to be like three quarters fundamentals and one quarters narrative. And now that's completely flipped. Now it's like mostly narrative and a little bit of fundamentals. So if you really love the narrative, you really love the story, you really love the team, then you kind of look past the fundamentals. Or That's what he's saying a lot of investors are doing. But he gives an interesting warning that the potential is always there. And you have to assume that the future, it will always pull it back to the fundamentals. It will, if the market goes crazy, the ones that are going to suffer the most are going to be the ones that don't have the fundamentals. Because when, if people get jittered and they get like spooked and they're like, well, what should I do with this money? Should I pull it out at all or should I redirect it to something, you know, air quotes, more safe? And what he's saying is that the safe ones will be the ones that have, you know, a good ratio of um, 
revenue to price. And uh, I, I think that's a really smart way of thinking about this. I, I think it's smart to think in the short term in the sense that right now you should maybe look towards things that have strong narratives like Tesla. Like I'm not going anywhere near Tesla. I think it's way too high. Like an example he gave of Tesla was that it could have in price and still be way, way overvalued for how much it's, it's worth in terms of its current price versus its revenue. So traditionally, but using traditional metrics. But I mean, the narrative thing could play out for five or 10 more years and Tesla could go to 10x of what it is now. Who knows? Nobody does. Or whatever. Next week, it could collapse down to one-fifth of where it's at and eventually land at its actual price according to the fundamentals. Or it could go to half of that. Nobody knows. It's all crazy fantasy anyway. But he does make a good point. Fundamentals is likely what things will return to, like a regression to the mean type situation. And in the meantime, while we're in the midst of this change, just think of the narrative versus fundamentals situation as having flipped uh, sometime recently, within the last year or two. Notes. Okay, so I mentioned this last week, but I'm still looking for additional products or services to include in the discovery section. And again, I'm basically looking for stuff that you absolutely love and few people know about, right? So for me, it was like my razor knife, which I talked about, or uh, CrowdSec, which was the security tool. But if like you have a favorite app of any kind, or you have a favorite security tool, or whatever you have, wallets or flashlights, actually flashlights would be cool, whatever you have, um, looking to highlight stuff like that. And I've found a few, and some people in the in the uh, community, the Slack community, and just texting and emailing have uh, sent me some cool ones. I actually mentioned a couple in this week's discovery section in a second here. But if you have more, keep them coming. And I'm going to be adding a premium version of the free newsletter. So odd numbered episodes, which this is one of, by the way, which will just be labeled as the member edition for members and it will be in green text. So it's the same content, but it will avoid subscribers getting any newsletter that says standard edition on it. So somebody uh, complained about this before. They're basically saying, why am I getting a standard edition when I just signed up for the premium edition? And the answer was that they would get the standard edition on standard weeks and they would get the premium edition on member weeks. And the people who weren't a member would not get that premium version or would not get the member version. But this is actually a little bit better. You will always get the member version if you're a member and you will never see the standard edition. And then people who aren't a member, they were the only ones, they will be the only ones who get the standard edition. So that I'm starting this week. In fact, the newsletters that went out by the time you're hearing this will have already had that change on it. So let me know if you like that. Don't forget to safe list the newsletter so it doesn't get routed strangely by Gmail. And um, I'm looking forward to seeing this film called Users, which just premiered at Sundance 2021. It's about how integration with tech is becoming increasingly creepy. 
kind of feels black mirrorish to me. And as a tech optimist uh, on most days, I don't really see things that way, but I still enjoy black mirror type stuff. So I definitely want to check this out. Not sure how I'm going to get access to that. Like when it'll come out on what services or whatever. All right, Discovery. So CrowdSec just released a primer. Um, it's a modern fail-to-ban replacement, but they just released a primer on how to do the full install, how to configure basic rules, how to do actual blocks. Um, uh, they, they give an example of attacking a web application with a scanner and actually blocking traffic um, using the tool. So that's a cool tutorial. I was going to write my own, but they already had one. So definitely check that out if you're looking to replace fail-to-ban. Malwarebytes got a new supporter of the show. Uh, so this is really cool. So this is the main tool I've been using for malware protection on Windows and Mac for like close to a decade. So happy to have them as a uh, show supporter. Uh, NixOS. This is an up-and-coming Linux distribution that I keep hearing about. I, I don't know. I haven't messed with much Linux other than Amazon Linux in quite a while. I kind of moved off of Ubuntu a couple years back. I've been using Amazon. But, um, yeah, I keep hearing about NixOS. I thought it was some kind of strange, like, BSD-ish type Nix. I didn't know it was a Linux distro. That's a problem right there. So I, I need to go mess with this. I keep hearing people say it's awesome. Uh, Rune Music Management. Uh, they are about to release their 1.8 version. And uh, if you're into music and you haven't heard of Rune, you are missing out. It's a complete music management system and a, and a listening system as well. It's, it's really, really cool. And it's focused on audio files. So it's focused on people who lo really love finding and organizing multiple versions of the same song, multiple quality types. It, it plays back super high res audio. You could play it and push it to different areas in your house, uh, to different devices, even simultaneously with different audio feeds. Uh, my big thing is like being able to track the audio quality, like the bit rate and stuff, because I'm deep diving on this whole audio file thing. And uh, it's just fantastic. And they're about to release this version 1.8, which is a super slick, like, um, just a graphical uh, UI type upgrade. Just looks super smooth. So I think that's coming out sometime this week. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. But if you haven't messed with Rune, you should, you should check it out. And then this is the one that uh, someone in the UL community sent me. It's called ThinkBoard. So these are thin films that you can use as whiteboards on multiple surfaces. And I've been wanting to find a whiteboard solution for a while now. I'm probably going to buy a giant one soon and just have it sitting around so I can doodle with markers. But this thing you could just, I guess it's films that you just drop onto different places. And uh, I've been looking for something exactly like this. So called Think Space Board, Think Board. Uh, configuring NeoVim using Lua. I was about to do this, but it looked a little crunchy for me, but I decided to include it anyway. Uh, Nix-based WireGuard setup. I'm going to be doing this one. This looks really cool. Uh, evidently, the cool thing about Nix 
OS is that it's all based on packages and just quickly and easily deploying in a repeatable way different packages. And this is seems to be an example of that was the WireGuard setup. I've very much wanted to have a one-click WireGuard setup where I could just say, boom, go, and then my VPN is set up and it's proxied through a place. And to have that be ephemeral, that, that is really cool. So hopefully this does that. Someone created a honeypot industrial control system for a power plant online and watched to see what kind of traffic that they received. So they saw lots of scanner traffic, but no actual attempts to modify anything. I really hope our government has like a million of these things sitting out there. But I'm afraid they don't. Hope they do, though. An interesting hacker news thread on tech burnout and and anxiety. So one takeaway from this, which I thought was super cool, was like the top comment, which was, if you're getting really anxious on Sunday nights, it's probably time to change something. Like if you're dreading going into work Monday morning, you, you probably need to make a change. Got my response here to a Reddit thread asking for a quick explanation of why a lot of people don't believe in free will. Got a threat modeling manifesto by a whole bunch of my uh, online security friends. It's a pretty nice list, like 15 people, uh, lots of which I know and have uh, talked about threat modeling in the past. So um, I took a look at this and I actually really liked it. I liked how they had, you know, a set of do's and don'ts, which they put in green and red, and they had just really clear rules. It was short and crisp and concise. I uh, thought it was really good. Got an analysis here of where's the fastest place to put your server online. The myths, not so myths, and truths about data science. Ticker, a terminal-based stock ticker. And Bug Bounty Hunting, a website that lets you look for bug bounty tips via a search interface. And the recommendation for the week, if you've not discovered lo-fi music, low-fi, so it's like hi-fi except for lo-fi, really, you should check this out. It's a minimalist approach to music designed to play in the background while you do other more important things like coding or relaxing or talking to your friends or whatever. And uh, there's a whole community around this with tons of playlists. And I have like 10 of these already, like in my different music players. And uh, it, it's really cool stuff. You could actually just stream it off of YouTube, but I prefer to use an actual music player for it. But um, it is actually lo-fi. So it sounds, it's not hi-fi. It's not high bit rate. It's kind of designed to fade into the background, designed to kind of be ignored. Oftentimes they put kind of like vinyl sounds, like um, staticky types situation. It sounds kind of muffled, like it's playing in the other room on a record player. And it's just super chill. You're just supposed to just do whatever you're doing, you know, coding or hacking or do doing whatever you're doing and kind of ignoring it. And it's just, uh, it's just very pleasant. There's a whole community around it. You should definitely check it out. Lo-fi music. And the aphorism for the week. The secret to happiness is freedom, and the secret to freedom is courage. The secret to happiness is freedom, and the secret to freedom is courage. Pericles. <laughs>